Hey everyone, thanks for watching. If you'd like to see more Hemisync podcasts, such as Episode 8 with Dean Reagan, podcasts that aren't necessarily associated with any particular Hemisync product, but simply feature fascinating guests and subjects associated with the frontiers of consciousness research and understanding, please consider joining our exclusive Patreon page and get some great discounts on Hemisync products in the bargain. Thanks for watching. We're joined today by Andrea Urvatin. He is a musician and sound artist from Slovenia. His new album is called Hero's Journey, which is available both as a metamusic piece with Hemisync and as simply music on our Flying Man Records label. He is focused on deeper connections between music, philosophy, and transcendental states. His website is called nimetu.org, which means I am not here in Slovenian, but he is here today. And so we are pleased to have him. Andrea, welcome to the podcast. Um, thanks for joining us. Um, you've got a really cool life story. Um, you've been experiencing these transcendent states from a very early age, often under difficult conditions. So could you maybe just start by telling us a bit about your um, early life and um, how these experiences shaped you? Well, first, hello. Thank you for having me, Garrett. Finally, we can talk without the technical difficulties. Yeah, yes. As you said in the introduction, uh, my life was quite uh, challenging from the beginning, but uh, at the same time, I don't perceive it as such. But uh, later, when I compared stories, I realized that I, I had some experiences that are not so ordinary. And also some of those early memories were uh, unusual. I mean, there were not a lot of them, but uh, those that were, uh, didn't make sense from a logical point of view. So, like, one thing that I, I remembered myself from a birth perspective, and I had this memory of myself as a five-year-old child in this intensive care in the hospital. Uh, very vivid memory, how I'm lying there with this toy monkey that it was called Fitzko, under, like in Pippi Langstrumpf, you know. And... Um, so only later I realized that it's impossible that I have such a memory because this point of view, how, how could I see myself from the ceiling down? Of course, there are many explanations how this came to be, but um, my very strong uh, idea is that it was that because I was there after one operation as a kid, um, there were some complications. Uh, and they had to revive me. And so obviously, I mean, th this is my most, uh, the simplest explanation that, that I somehow in that, uh, in that moment that I somehow went outside and could see myself down. Later, when I researched more about this phenomena, uh, I realized that this is quite common, that it's not so uncommon that it happens to many people. And um, yeah, it's also, it was uh, like a memory, this watching myself from a bird's perspective and then also watching outside of the window uh, mm -hmm. of this hospital. Very vividly, I saw the police officers th uh, there because it was this a very interesting time when um, you maybe remember this dictator, Tito. Uh, I mean, we didn't perceive him as dictator. He was like very, but he was. And um, 
uh, he was um, ill and uh, for political reasons they brought him not um, from Bel not in the hospital in Belgrade but to Ljubljana which is the capital of my country which is near the western border of the former Yugoslavia so there was some political things so he was here and also this hospital was back then very important so I know that this memory is uh, accurate because they were it was guarded everywhere mm -hmm. with these police officers mm -hmm. so yeah, so it was an interesting, this was the first uh, hint that uh, it is possible to travel with the mind uh, very, not just figuratively or like, it's not just imagination, but it's obviously something real that you can do. But as a rational person, I still try to get uh, like ideas or answers in other ways, not just in this metaphysical way, but when the, the experience is there, you have to accept it. Yes. Yeah. So that's fascinating. So you had kind of a classic out of body slash near death experience where you're yeah. kind of doing yourself on the hospital bed from an elevated position in the room or even outside the room. Um, and this was when you were five years old and having an operation because you had cancer, right? You overcame cancer at a young age. Yeah. They, I had this cancer, but I was fortunate that this, um, uh, doctor was very, very um, like intelligent, intuitive, and she uh, sent me to this uh, uh, research, further research, because uh, back then, in, that was in the 80s, it was not so developed like now. So mm -hmm. she really had to have this intuition that something that maybe let's check for this. And uh, yeah. yeah, unfortunately, it was an early stage. They, they just had to remove a kidney and that I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> for okay. the rest of my life. Yeah. So I had this interesting, interesting uh, experience there. Yeah. yeah. And that was not the last one, right? There was another one that followed that. Yeah. The, um, later in the teens, uh, again, I was, uh, as a child, I was very open, very uh, extroverted in a way. But then after, for some reason, in the teen, uh, teen years, I started becoming more closed in, more uh, philosophical, starting to think about why we are here, uh, what is all this, what is this body, why, why we have to move from point A to point B. Classical thing, like existential questions that everyone asks, but I, I had this deeper urge to ask them all the time, and I became somehow overwhelmed by... Uh, these questions. It was not just a provocative intellectual question, but it was sort of a burden. And um, it triggered some sort of depression. And um, in some cultures, I mean, the way I felt in that moment, they say like it's shamanic illness because you become yeah. ill and really lose your uh, will to live and um, your energy and you, you start to get all sorts of weird feelings and so on. And at one point, yeah, I had this accident and um, uh, again in the hospital, uh, I, I, I was for a prolonged time in this sort of, uh, mm, you know, sedated state because of the painkillers or morphine and so on. And I had a very visionary reaction to those painkillers that usually you don't get. It should not be hallucinogenic, the the morphine but it was for me 
Yeah, I synthesized all sorts of sounds, you know, music from from these the machines that were beeping, and so the music started playing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so just to be clear, though, so you were on a morphine drip as a result of a second near-death experience, right? You had like a fall or something, yeah. correct? Yeah, and but I didn't perceive it as something special back then. You mm -hmm. know, it's just trauma. And uh, but later, after that whole week of being there and then recovery, and um, I started really thinking, okay, something. This is there's some other layer of mind, other layer of percep perception that is possible, that is there, mm -hmm. that's real that we encounter when we are in these border situations or like uh, this philosopher Carl Jaspers say this grand situation and like uh, yeah, border situations, extreme situations where yeah. you could die or maybe the war breaks up, breaks up or you're some, some very difficult thing happens to you. Uh, then your whole this previous perception of reality collapses and you open up to new dimensions, you know? Yeah. Okay. I, I guess I'm curious if these near-death experiences, they cause you to turn inward, right? And so do you yeah. think that triggered the depression because you were connected or you had this experience of some greater reality, right? And then you came back to ordinary reality and there was a feeling of maybe having lost something, some type of connection and wanting to recapture it. Do you think that was what triggered the depression or was it something else? There are so many, so many things that could, that could be uh, from genetical, from the, there's also some research that uh, children with uh, that uh, survived cancer in the childhood in the early ages, mm -hmm. uh, many times they develop depression for some mm -hmm. reason. So if this is some disconnect or I don't know, if you left something somewhere, why why but obviously it's some chemical imbalance because uh, you should not suffer from asking these existential questions i mean yeah. you can ask, many people ask them but it doesn't become a burden mm -hmm. and um it was like irrational burden that i had to somehow conquer and then i started researching uh, mm -hmm. what is there where are the answers because obviously i was not in the born in a religious um family so i didn't have this anchor or this solace to seek in the religion and these rituals which i think are fine i mean in, in some way yeah we know religions are the problem of this world but they also serve a function if they're you know people go to these communions and they they some if they are true believers they can uh yeah it, it has a psychological function very beneficial if if you ha if you live in such community, which is nice, not fanatical, of course. No. And, um, so I didn't have any of that, and I obviously sought some metaphysical answers, which then I found in philosophies and uh, in uh, like many teenagers in the books of uh, Carlos Castaneda. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean everyone right in the yeah. past probably yeah. started with that soon, soon afterwards also Alan Watts and so on like all, all this proto hippie stuff you know yeah but there's a lot of wise things in there and also problematic right. I mean when I read more and years later I realized that it's not everything like Castaneda wrote and of course all these questions of cultural appropriation and misrepresentation of cultures and so on yeah but I think there's still a lot of uh, valuable things for and i mean to me it was helpful at one stage yeah. of my life to just to realize okay this 
is eighth of the world. There's something more. There are people who think the same, people who research those realms, and that it's possible to access those realms yeah. systematically with techniques. Yes. And so how did research, that, uh, sorry. sorry, how did that take you into music? How did you get involved in music? I mean, music was always, it was the first thing. So this oh. is like a part of the story. I mean, all these things happen and it didn't, uh, music was always my interest from uh, early ages on. I love to listen to all sorts of uh, songs, music, classical, jazz. Uh, I mean, my parents played me like Ella Fitzgerald, like uh, Jimi Hendrix, uh, whatever, you know, um, and um, they were like young. I mean, my mother was 18 or something when she had me and father 22. So mm -hmm. there was no big difference. So they were very cool parents and introducing me to all this cool music. And at the same time, I had this urge to explore music and to, of course, I listened a lot, a lot of pop music also and everything. Yeah. But uh, early on, I was influenced by many things, many, many different things, not just children's songs and so on. Mm -hmm. And I immediately, when I got the first, uh, this, you know, um, washing powders, when these big cylindric um, containers, I was always bumping and drumming on them. Yeah. And then school, I was drumming all the time with pencils on the, uh, on the table and uh, annoying my schoolmates and so on. <laughs> and this continues. So I was always very rhythmical, very into rhythm. And uh, so I also went to music school. I started yeah. playing clarinet. And this was my, so that started my musical education, completely classical, normal, I mean, like systematic in the music school. Yeah. But at the same time, I was interested in all these uh, other musics. And uh, very early, I was uh, very enthusiastic about synthesizers and soundscapes. I was, uh, and I remember I was enjoyed listening uh, in the headphones and observing how how they produced these different, especially in the eighties, the reverbs, delays, you know, different layers, depths of music, and uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I was not only listening to the, the songs and lyrics, but uh, early on I started listening to the sounds, to the timber, to the, this whole soundscape of music. And, yeah. So yeah. that's interesting. So. Um, I think you've cited a number of influences in your life, both musically um, and philosophically. Um, I guess for people that are familiar with Hemisync, one of the most notable ones, I guess, is Byron Metcalf, who's a great shamanic composer. Um, and then also you follow the work of uh, the, the Tibetan Bon uh, practice, um, specifically uh, Tenzin Wangyal Rinpoche, who is a two-time Hemisync artist and is actually working on a third. Um, and so both of these kind of borrow from ancient shamanic traditions um, and use music to induce altered states of consciousness. How do you approach using sound to um, induce these transcendent states and also to, to heal? Yeah, so for me, it uh, happened naturally and very organically. I, um, I was always doing uh, like Already in the teens, we had this alternative um, theater group and I was doing uh, sound for the theater. Uh, and um, so I was always interested in soundscapes and um, producing uh, different feelings with music, atmospheres, not, not just mm -hmm. uh, songs, but 
and structures, but the structures that are sort of immersive. Mm -hmm. And um, later on, I became more and more interested in performances uh, that are very intimate. So I was at one point annoyed with this art scene that seemed very superficial. There was always this, um, like everything else seemed to be more important than just this event that yeah. was happening, sponsored, you know, like social, social things, socializing, food, drinks, uh, having fun and so on, which, which is okay. But I was interested in this direct effects of music. So at one point I said, okay, when I was invited for one, uh, to construct one performance for a experimental music festival, I decided to do it in the dark. So mm -hmm. I'm not important. I don't want to be seen, observed. Uh, don't don't mind me. I'm not here to show something. Mm -hmm. uh, I just want you to experience sound. So this this is how it started. It was called uh, breathe in, breathe out, or inhale, exhale, actually, huh? um, which we, which was also the title of one uh, Slovene com composer, um, Vinko Globokar. He made this uh, book, it's more avant-garde composer, but uh, I borrowed the title Inhale, Exhale. Mm -hmm. He's a, trom a trombone player. And um, I said, okay, how can I engage people? Like, we are in the dark. This is first layer. They don't see me. Mm -hmm. And I want them to participate somehow. They don't, they they, I don't want them to be passive, so they can, they can engage with me. And I said, okay, I will give them triggers for breathing. And it, uh, it was a surround performance. And in the last speakers, uh, in the rare speakers, um, they had cues for breaths. So it was like recorded breathing, breathe in, breathe out. And uh, it was part of the composition. But uh, at the same time, it was a guide track for audience to freely engage with me, with the music. Yeah. And there were different sounds. And I was playing flutes, uh, ethnic flutes, kavar, uh, nay, some other stuff, uh, live. And uh, so it started and it, I didn't know that it would trigger anything. I just wanted it to be very intimate and very direct. Uh, mm -hmm. And then afterwards, people started coming. What was that? You know, what, I felt something, you know, like there was yeah. some warmth or did somebody open the window? I felt like a breeze of uh, air came in out of nowhere. Then yeah. uh, many people say there was some sort of electricity going on up their limbs and and some people said, well, I, I closed my mind and I drifted. I was, I saw yeah. things and so on. I said, okay, I don't know. I'm, well, I just played. <laughs> it's dark. Yeah. yeah, imagination imagination works, you know. But of course, I'm very curious. So I immediately started researching what is that? What, what, yeah. What's happening? What, what, uh, what kind of uh, thing is this? And so you also and, put together uh, a video that's based on this breathe in, breathe out, right? Um, it's it's a short six-minute video, mm -hmm. which you combine with your interest in cryotherapy, right? You're a big fan of Wim Hof, the Iceman. Um, you've you've uh, used uh, cryotherapy to treat depression. Um, and so folks that can't travel to Slovenia to attend one of your events, we're going to play for you one of Andrea's videos um, of him literally walking barefoot through snow in like a pair of swim shorts i guess and getting under this waterfall and it's it's a really cool video um if you're on audio only and you and uh, you can only hear it it's also a very cool sonic experience so i encourage you to sit through it 
if you need to fast forward through it, um, just jump about six minutes ahead into the conversation. We'll pick you up there. But check this out. We are of this earth, connected with everything around us, the earth, the air, the oceans, and the rivers, all the different sources of energy. Breathe in, breathe out. imaginary worlds with our mind. Explore. We exist. The mind and body are one. Go deeper, down, beyond. Descend further, deeper. Let go. Fall. Float in a clear and open space. We live in cities consumed by everyday life, going from point A to point B, forgetting the ever-present mystery that surrounds us. We thread our ways to work, to school, the multitude of little errands, all the joys and sorrows. We get lost, entranced by the mechanics of survival, distracted from the real, all-pervasive magic of the inexplicable, of the universe and all the layers of conscious experience that exist at the same time as we go around, living, dormant. yourself in an endless space, pure awareness. What you imagine becomes real. You create, you exist. If you need to change, if you wish to be happy, healthy, stronger, you can change in an instant with a snap of a finger. of incredible things. We can conquer fears, cold, and the elements become stronger and more powerful. You are here, in this world. You exist. Explore. Breathe in. Breathe out. Become playful, irrational, daring, curious. 
curious, self-conscious, wild, true. Let your imagination loose, but don't forget the reason, the logic to navigate your experience on Earth. Remain grounded, your feet extending like roots into the Earth, connected with everything around you. You are safe, free, powerful. Breathe, play, dance, sing, drum, and focus. Feel the cold water cleansing you, washing away all the negative, all the baggage that holds you down. All is clear. You are aware of yourself and everything around you that extends further and further from your body. The surroundings, the country, the continent, the world, the moon, the planets, and the sun, the solar system, the galaxy, the clusters of galaxies. You are aware the infinity stretching out in all directions. The raw power of the waterfall brings you back into the moment. You are here. You feel fresh, renewed, strong, with a clear mind. The world is an inexplicable mystery, and we are on a great adventure. Breathe in. Breathe out. This is your story. That, that looked cold as hell. <laughs> how, did you, how often do you engage in this practice? Uh, sorry? How often do you I, I engage in this practice where you go up to the waterfall or get into really cold water and how does it help you? This was much later, later okay. after quite some time when I already developed this, my whole sonic, uh, immersive sonic uh, thing. And at one point in my life, I felt I need some additional boost, some something to gain power, to, to keep even more balance. I was already in a rather balanced state. Mm -hmm. But I, I really needed something that, you know, gives you this strength and that you can just observe the world like it's a movie, you know. I mean, you're still reactive to things, but but you have this buffer that protects you from direct, you know, you just watch things. Okay, negative things happen and I can watch this movie and I can be a bit distant, not, not affected. You don't let things in so much. And this proved to be an amazing, very powerful system. Uh, like many people, I watched this Vice documentary about Wim Hof, and um, but funny, I was actually uh, searching for Tumo, for Tumo meditation. I, I learned that this exists, uh, and Wim's practice is partly based, or is his version of Tumo, not not religious, not spiritual so much, uh, but in his own way. But I could not find at that moment any Tumo online or workshops or whatever, and I found him. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And that immediately clicked. I um, 
first did these challenges, he offered for free actually all the information. If somebody knows what to search for, you can find all the information online for free and you can do it. But of course, you need it's good to have some guidance, uh, somebody showing you. And so I I got his uh, training, this 10 week program, and uh, I, I, it was a great process to go through. It's mm -hmm. very fun guy. He, I, I, con I connect with this. It's his attitude because it's this no bullshit attitude. Just do yeah. it. Try it out. Don't just listen. Do something. It's possible. And uh, so I started doing this, like cold showers every day, breathing exercises. I already knew because I was interested in breath work. I knew about uh, different uh, pranayama techniques. Yeah. But he has very powerful style. Very, his bread is a bit different and uh, very. It pushes you immediately into this very alert. I mean, you can. Everyone can just check it out. Uh, yeah. For those who don't know Wim Hof, uh, it's it's a good thing to check and try out. Uh -huh. And um, so yeah, I started that and uh, developing my own system. I said, okay, this is really good to keep balance. To also, I because I had these depressive uh, episodes in the past. Yeah, I thought this would be very helpful to people. Maybe I was not depressed at that moment, but mm -hmm. I could feel how how emotionally even more stable, even more powerful you become. And uh, so yeah. yeah, so I decided to to do my own subsystem of that, incorporate Wim Hof and uh, yeah. other things, and offer it for free, like uh, Nimetu antidepressant. Yeah, it can also be checked online, and everyone can watch and uh, try out. This. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Again, check out uh, his site, uh, nimetu.org. He has some cool free stuff on there. Um, so tell us a bit about your current work, uh, Locus Solus, and what what that's all about. So basically, Locus Solus is, I would say, at that point when I constructed it, it was a live performance for a single visitor. Mm -hmm. And it's a culmination of everything I did up to that point. Uh, all the ideas about this um i did several uh like um how to say immersive concerts like or projects that i repeated with different on different occasions one was called the nest i wanted to construct the feeling of safety so people would would be they were guided through different stages and mm -hmm. um, the main aim was that when you come you're in the nest you're surrounded yeah. it's you're safe and then you can travel inward more easily. So this was the first idea that I incorporated and kept also in Locus Solus. I think it's the, for any kind of exploration of, uh, I don't know, subconscious, or if you say this shamanic way, it's very important to have this safe space and trust mm -hmm. so, or either in some other person or in the technique that you are using. Mm -hmm. you, you, have, you have really, mm, it's most important that you are centered and down to earth and uh, that you feel safe, mm -hmm. that you're afraid, uh, because uh, quite difficult and quite strong uh, things can happen in these uh, sessions, uh -huh. not, not just musical or with breath and so on. And if you're not prepared, people can freak out and so on. I'm, I'm not just scaring people, but this happens when people go and are not unprepared. Um, it never happened to me, fortunately, yeah. in my groups. And uh, so after several of different uh, kinds of these projects, uh, also 
every, everything was happening in the dark all the time, uh, I constructed Locus Solus. I used all the instruments, all the knowledge, all the ideas, how to how to intertwine all these layers of uh, uh, sounds and uh, the ways to directly influence this listener um, into this composition. And so this so, is the musical piece yeah. that we're offering on Flying Man Records, which also serves as the basis yeah. for the meta music piece called Hero's Journey. Um, so tell us a bit more about that. You're, you use um, native flutes very prominently um, in this piece. And the first thing that I thought of when I was listening to it is, oh, it, this sounds like an Ikaro, you know, like a shamanic, um, the, a, a shamanic the trance song, basically, that they use during ayahuasca ceremonies. Actually, the feeling behind it is exactly that. Yeah. I mean, uh, they know what they're guiding experience with song. So the, I mean, the ayahuasca experience, they guide with singing, with sounds, with music. Of course, they get these songs, the trance and so on. And the same, the same is with me when I construct these things. I don't belong to any tradition, so it's different. But uh, uh, my aim, also the name Nimetu, which means I'm not here. It means that I try to um, remove myself, or like I, be, I just become the sort of a channel, if you want. I mean, this is a loaded word now, but yeah. uh, that's the idea, that I remove my person from and allow something larger to happen. And then the ideas come. You know, it's sort of the idea of mindfulness also, or um, different techniques, like David Lynch is uh, promoting his own, and, but this is exactly the same mechanism, mm -hmm. that you remove yourself or this ego state or something, and allow that something larger downloads. And um, so you get, I get these feelings, how to, how to construct soundscapes, what kind of frequencies I want, and just things start uh, coming together. Mm -hmm. uh, just allow the things come. Of course, then you engage reason and you uh, arrange and listen. And but I must say that very little. I, I work very fast at one point. When yeah. things happen, it, it happens very fast. I just open since uh, I, I just got the idea. Okay, I want that kind of structure here. I want this. I want deeper frequencies there. Yeah. Okay, it's flutes, and so everything comes together pretty fast. And then, uh, then of course, I arrange it and. Uh, also, when I record it, I want to be in the state uh, of a special state, very relaxed. It's not mm -hmm. like some virtuosic music. It's not technically very challenging or something, but it's it's important that I feel it at that moment that I really put something in, because mm -hmm. I, even in ordinary music, it's it's a very magical thing. Uh, if you think that one person plays just some ratio of, of frequencies and at the distance. Another person is sad or happy or uh, energetic or something. So even in normal music, uh, we influence people at a distance. It's a very magical thing. And um, even if a melody, like, why is the ratio of frequencies emotional? I mean, what, this is just something very abstract and you are sad, for example. But then there's another layer if performer place this ratio of melodies very flat without engaging his own interpretation, his own feeling, you will just say, okay, this is a sad melody. Right. But if I really 
put all the embellishments, all the phrasings, and I really feel this sadness if I want sadness or happiness or bliss. If I want to cause bliss and I really feel uh, blissful and how to produce that, I can transfer that into this simple melody. Right. I, I want to embrace you and I can, I can produce that. I mean, every musician, every musician who, who understands this can do that. And right. uh, it's a very magical thing, even in ordinary music that is not meant for some mind journeys, but you can use anything. I was Benjamin Britten's War Requiem was my journey music, for example. I, this was very, it's a very contemporary classical music, very intellectual also, but at the same time, he's such master and uh, somehow it resonates with me mm -hmm. that at one point in this music, always when the climax climax came i was like thrown out of my body and like uh -huh. literally chew and i just came in yeah and i'm not a crazy person it's it's very i can say it's imagination or whatever but it's triggered this musical moment triggered a very cathartic opening experience right so i knew that this is possible and that's why what i strive for uh -huh. when i construct these things I, I really want to make a nice journey that you can really go deep and experience different stages, different stages in which you can either work on some problem if you have it, or you can just immerse yourself in the experience and observe what is happening, just float. Mm -hmm. and, um, so when I performed this live, this was uh, their very, very intense reactions from the participants. Yeah. Uh, it's important then that you guide them back. Yeah. So I think this is exactly what uh, Hemising uh, idea is also. So I was very familiar with this and very happy and flattered when yeah uh, when you accepted this uh, music. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing it. I mean, I think one of the interesting things about this is that the Locus Solus piece and the Hero's Journey piece, and you've talked about this, they have different effects, um, even though they're fundamentally the same underlying composition. The straight music piece versus the meta music piece, they have different effects. And like, how would you describe that? How are they different in your view? Well, for me, they're very similar, but I would say that now when I listen to the version, the hero's uh, journey, which I is the my, piece, yeah. yeah, my intent and uh, uh, the intent of uh, this additional frequencies that what Kevin constructed around mm -hmm. it uh, I think it it brings you even deeper maybe even more it's maybe more therape therapeutic or how it's mm -hmm. pronounced um, yeah, it's yeah, it's, yeah it drags you faster more immediately it, it drags you into the experience and uh, when I was listening when I know these songs I did it and mm -hmm. uh, I uh, I entered this unconscious state. I don't know what kind of brain waves are that, but okay, I was. Uh, it was before sleep, so I was tired. But um, I entered this deep sleep, uh, and um, I could not finish it. I was at the, then awakened till mm -hmm. at the end, and uh, it 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 had sort of like this. If you know the technique yoga nidra, mm. the yoga of sleep, mm -hmm. it was the same. When I did this yoga nidra sessions for sometimes. It was the same. I lost consciousness and then I woke up at the end. I didn't know what's happening, but I felt yeah. fresh, renewed. So I think th this could have very similar 
like regenerative uh, uh, feeling. So you yeah. you enter the experience. You you can explore, fly with, and what you need, the this um, this structure will bring you into very uh, deep and healing spaces, and then it will bring you back. Yeah, uh, I think it's enhanced. For me, they're very similar, but the Hemising one is really enhanced uh, for a listener uh, at home. Yeah, but well, Locus Solus is more like a movie. Yeah, for me, it's more. Uh, it's the same, actually, the same uh, parts that are arranged in a different way, and because you don't have the the influence of the Hemising frequencies. You uh, you are more you you are maybe more alert uh, or maybe more rational. You stay at uh, one. You are not so deeply immersed into this uh, other. I think you call them focus levels. Yeah. You stay maybe more here, and you you can just go on on a very imaginative journey. Mm -hmm. So that would be the main difference for me. Uh, and um, but. When it's performed live, Locus Solos, I think it has a very similar effect as the Hemisync version. So yeah. I would say with this addition, you get what is otherwise possible only when it's live and I'm there and yeah. I walk around and uh, I, I help uh, trigger this experience. Yeah. That's a great description. Um, there's also a beautiful passage from your website, which I'm going to read here because I think it really captures what you're trying to do with your work. Um, here it goes. Lost in darkness, embraced by vibrations and musical cues, participating physically with adjusted breathing and other possible body interactions, bathing in sound, losing the perspective of time and space, letting go of expectations and diving into the endless sea. I am not here, yet I exist. It's pretty good, man. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I mean, I think this is a piece that, um, so I, I'm, I'm always very partial to the shamanic stuff and I really loved listening to this piece and journeying with this piece. It's really beautiful. Um, and I think people who are into this type of music are going to really enjoy it. Um, so thanks a lot for doing it with us. <laughs> Thank you for having me and for the nice words. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks for watching. Um, if you liked this, please share it up. Uh, give it a like, send it to a friend, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks so much. Thank you.